Well, that's Brown Meets World. Boy Meets World Fancast. Hey! Episode 91. I'm Siege. And I am Tony Coitus. Uh, what? What is new? <laughs> I mean, it's, tw- new, it's 2021. We're coming back with season five. There's a lot to discuss. The season is... Uh, I would say probably the fan favorite season of the series. I would say so. this is like we start to get a lot more things that Boy Meets World is remembered for. Um, you know, we have the we round out our team cast. You know, we get I know we get Angela this season. I know we get Jack this season. So we just um, we start to really get the episodes that I would I think are formative because we grew up and we started to like remember things at this time you know what i'm saying yeah and i think that the recipe they had for just like um the amount of uh exposure teens got versus the family got like they figured all that out and so like right now we really do just have this like awesome um blend and uh i guess uh, good percentages of everything that's good like where we have like the kids front and center the parents are kind of there in the background but they're not even really living at home anymore some of them so just lots of good stuff to get into absolutely okay so um let's start do you want to just like jump right on in well here's okay so here's one thing i want to say because i did a little bit of research because we're starting a new season and um this episode premiered on october 3rd 1997 and i just wanted to quickly just remind us what was going on in 1997 when this episode first premiered let us have a, a proper context of what was going on in the world um some hit movies from the time Boogie Nights, Men in Black, I Know What You Did Last Summer. In fact, I Know What You Did Last Summer was released the Friday before this episode premiered. So as far as Jennifer Love Hewitt being in the zeitgeist, I mean, that's kind of a main thing that we're going to see played later on in the season. Um, (laughs) But that's what was going on in movies. In music, you could have turned on the radio and you would have heard Leanne Rimes' How Do I Live, Usher's You Make Me Wanna, Biggie's Mo Money, Mo Problems. I mean, these are the kind of things that was on the radio. Um, and the biggest news story of the day is that August Princess Diana died. So just Aww. to for us who are old enough to remember 97, that's the context of the world that we're in right now. I was nine years old. I think I was just starting to remember the world. At yeah, this, at this definitely. Time. Definitely. Okay, um, well, yeah. um, so I guess that just brings us to our Tell Me About It. Tell me about it. All right. Should I just jump you right in it. this? You got oh. it. It's been a minute, guys. Forgive me. <clears throat> Tell me about it. Yeah, we're starting season five. Corey hates the Eric's home. Sean has a brother he's never known. Tell me about it. Oh, Jack Hunter has arrived. Alan learns to be a good dad. And Chet has learned he ain't so bad. <laughs> All right. I love that you totally approach this like, oh my God, you guys, I'm totally unprepared. I haven't done this in a while. And you just spit this entire thing that I will absolutely guarantee you took you a moment to put together. Under promise, <laughs> over deliver. That's, That's how I you know made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to be. Uh, okay. So this is season five, episode one, Brothers. Corey is a Corey is so upset when Eric moves back home that he vows to find him a place to stay. But the perfect roommate he picks out is Sean's long-lost half-brother, Jack, and there's no love lost as far as Sean is concerned. There we go. Um, okay. Oh my god. I have, like, a lot to say for this. First of all, like, just the way that it starts off I will give it credit. It is called Boy Meets World. Clearly, it's centered around men. But like well, the we first have a new minutes. we have a new opening theme song this season. Oh, That's- you know, honestly, I had I hit next when I was watching, and you didn't even realize that we got didn't a brand new theme song, the most classic theme song of the bunch. I believe this is our third theme after the uh, no, Does our it start fourth. So early because like we haven't even met. I know. 
but it's the first theme was the one where Corey's like has the paper airplane and is like dun, 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 yeah. the one I hated from season one. <laughs> then we turned to just those guitar licks uh, where it was just Sean, Corey, and Eric. Then our third one was the one with all three of them in Topanga in the convertible, which is the dun, 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 dun. and now we finally have a theme song with words, which by the way, for those who grew up watching TGIF, you'll know that this was the only show that did not have a singable theme song. Family ah. Matters, Full House, uh, Step by Step. Everyone had songs that you could sing along with. And this was the only one that didn't have it until Is that why they made the season. Like, we, need, we need that that earworm. <laughs> well, you know, it's a different vibe. It's like an acoustic guitar kind of vibe. I mean, we use we sample it for our intro. Yeah. And um, it's just it's a, almost timeless in the way that the other ones kind of when you hear the Full House theme song or the Family Matters, you think of the 90s. Whereas this one just kind of sounds like when you just hear that acoustic guitar, it's like that could just be any I time. No, I I could I would disagree. I feel like it's still 90s because it's so as you're saying that acoustic guitar, it's MTV unplugged. It's like that's what I think when it I does like, remember, feel like MTV. We're definitely dealing with like this um plaid wearing um what did we have? The whole alt movement, I drink coffee. Yeah, generation. Yes. <laughs> they are they are becoming, I mean, they're Gen Xers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're 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 growing into their Gen X this, I guess. Um, this is also a brand new set for us. Yes. As far as the we high school goes. Yeah. So I mean, like, we're getting a lot of new stuff thrown into the mix with season five that I'm super excited about. I as see, far as I just like, like you like you just made me realize. I was like, oh, we get a not a, a few new sets. Is the boys' apartment just Turner's apartment? Yes. Reformatted? Yeah, I was yes. like, wait a minute. <laughs> 100% Turner's dead. <laughs> These mean. kids have moved in. No, you'll actually notice too that this apartment in this episode actually kind of appears very small. Whereas yeah. I believe next episodes, the, the apartment like is big once it's furnished. And I it think, expands. yeah, they needed to expand because they couldn't fit furniture in there. But um, yeah, that set is new, which I love. And I also love the new high school set. I love that the seniors have their own hall and that it's just a different feel to it. It's funny that you said that because I was thinking to myself, I was like, we didn't have, like we had, a senior parking lot like that's all i can remember oh so, yeah but i do like, remember the freshmen being separate from the other class uh in yes, our high school that's, so that's what i said i was like the freshmen had their own building but the um the i can't even think of words i'm using right now but the other ones like the seniors didn't that's what i was trying to totally and I, I think at a certain point when you get to junior senior year i mean like a lot of those classes are filled with all kinds of I don't know. Sometimes I had a sophomore in an advanced science class. You just <laughs> never know. Everyone's on a different track. Um, one of the things I want to talk about when we are introduced to the new set and we're like, oh, senior year, they're talking about like all their expectations of what senior year is going to be, which includes a lot of teacher and student personal relationships. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, that was like, you know, of course I looked at it and I was like, uh, do we have to do this? Uh, and the, apparently the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> I just, I never understand why we are so fixated with this. It's really, um, I won't say upsetting, but it is really, I would, it's problematic for sure. You know? It, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it was just an interesting thing I noticed. And I also wrote down the fa fact that, um, Feeney brought them iced frappuccinos, which just does not seem like anything the kids in the earlier seasons would at all be interested in. So, no, they wouldn't. Again, it's, we're getting into this whole I, I, I hang out in a coffee place, uh, vibe. That's, that's what we're leaning towards totally. now because that's what's it. And, the, and one of the main reasons I, I bring up this like senior year ep, uh, scene at the beginning before we get into the other storylines, which are much more important, um, it's just that there's, they kind of set us up for the idea that, hey, the kids are going to be graduating at the end of this year, as if, as if to say that that's going to play an overarching storyline about the kids going through senior year together. Obviously, we've already seen Eric go through senior year, um, but, you know, Corey, Sean, and Topanga are in their last year of high school. So just to, at the beginning to throw that robot them and let us know from the beginning of the season like hey this is where these kids are headed kind of lets us know that there's a finality of sorts to the season that the other seasons didn't have i um i like that um i like that approach and i like that kind of thinking that they're basically giving us a uh, a spoiler 
are like a tease of 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 where we're headed um especially since at the time we know this they stay in junior year for like two seasons so they're like yeah, no i, I think me. they skip seventh and eighth grade or something like that like they skip two whole years they're like we're actually going to graduate this year just letting you know <laughs> which a better choice i think overall like the episodes that we get this season i think are are better for it so um yeah i just wanted to, to quickly point that out before we get into all the fun eric and sean stuff I don't really know where the season's going to go in terms of storylines. I just know. I, well, like, I honestly, you know what? I, I did listen to our last episode as a refresher for this one, um, which was the season finale of season three called Home. Or no, it wasn't. It was the one where the kids go to college or to see a college in fly, Florida. Learn to fly. Learn to fly. Yes. The one where Eric is like, hey, I really want to get into college. And you, so that's where we are in Boy Meets World Land. Um, so let's pick up with Eric and then move over to Sean, because I feel like Eric's story is kind of a continuality from last season whereas sean has like a brand new storyline this season okay so i have a few things to say as i always do but i will start (laughs) off with um let's talk about eric we find out that eric of course didn't fill out the housing forms which tend to be a continuous like issue uh, as far as television is concerned and boy meets world is concerned and i think that um unknowingly or maybe knowingly they're always trying to tell you that housing is one of the most complicated and um crucial but often overlooked parts of college because yeah because there's so many ways to simplify the whole application process for literally everything for housing for food for parking for all of that shit you can make it real easy but everything is overly complicated i'm glad that the boy beats world writers know that i just want to tell you because like most of my student loan debt is from my freshman year (laughs) of getting like this fancy ass dorm room i just was like the boss i was like so like I'm proud of myself and most of my debt is all from that like college itself didn't cost me as much as this one apartment did and i think that that's kind of like what they're always alluding to i feel like that just has to be so many writers experiences because it's just housing is always a storyline when it comes to television it's almost uh, as if kids are almost uh, like all of us kind of go through this feeling of being taken advantage of when we're 18 by making a bunch of big decisions <laughs> that we aren't prepared for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, but the thing that I wanted to say with Eric and, and his whole um, coming back home, there are little bits with Corey that I want to come back to, but the most important thing that I want to bring up is, A, we get some precious, amazing Amy time, which I love. And then also with this Amy time, I realized, like, for those of you who don't know, over the, I think it may have been between the break or maybe it was, like, right as we ended, I got a puppy recently. And so I'm a puppy parent. I am co-parenting with my boyfriend. And we've had this dog. And I have seen exactly what Amy's talking about, where my dog and my boyfriend are best of it. They can do no wrong. They love each other. Lights up. I'm the disciplinarian. I'm the bad guy. I'm the get off the couch person. <laughs> and I just like, all I could see was Amy being like, yo, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> he doesn't just get to come back into the house. We, we got rid of him and it took us longer than we were ex- expecting to do so, but we got rid of him. I did my job. I raised this child. I have two more to worry about. You do not just to get to come back in. And I think it's really interesting that it's Amy, the mother who plays that role, because usually in other television shows, it's the father. And well, the father was like, get out. I'm so glad you brought that up because this episode in a lot of ways reminded me of the security guy episode where um, Eric gets uh, fired from the family store um, by Amy because Alan is a little bit too chummy with Eric and coddles him too much. And so this storyline actually felt really organic and like a natural result of the relationship we've already seen formed between Alan and Eric where Alan struggles to be separate fatherhood and friendship um to the point where i mean in this episode he kind of comes to the realization and and tries to correct it but the fact that it it has stunted eric in a lot of ways and that's something that him and um amy actually talk about and acknowledge um i i I think that this just felt really uh like something i would expect from eric and alan 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's like you said, it felt like the natural progression. So it made sense. I wasn't like, why are we doing this? It didn't even feel like a repeat. It just felt like, no, this would obviously be the next step. Even like Alan being like, hey, do you want some cake? How long are you? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just chill. And Amy's like immediately, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> like, like, Amy's like, what are you doing here? Why are you here now? Like, <laughs> this also felt like something I've seen um, in a lot of uh, family based sitcoms like Cosby Show or My Wife and Kids or just a few other ones where it's like the parents' main goal is just to get the kids out of the house and like uh, kids keep coming back and keep coming back and then like for i mean for story-based reasons like the they want to include this character in the show in a way where they're not segregated so they bring them back home for whatever reason but it is something i've seen in quite a few sitcoms well i mean like we are the generation where like you and i currently don't but like we're the generation where you you had to move back in with your parents so that is something that we've kind of like all had to deal with and you know it's like, normalized now to move back home yeah absolutely but during at the time it was like no i raised you and then again as a puppy parent i'm someone <laughs> who's like when my dog goes off to dog day camp i'm like bye like rex is like what did he do all day how was he i was like i don't know he was out of my hair i have things to do and i think yes. that, like that's where amy is at she like like i really loved that she just went to even feeny and she was like yo like what what's your deal why don't you don't have anything to say you have something to say about everything else i'm so glad you brought up amy (laughs) and feeny's talk because i mean even amy kind of acknowledges that feeny is always really quick to offer advice to all the boys but never has one-on-one talks with amy but in all fairness amy did kind of hijack the entire conversation and just gave herself advice leaving george well because george was like all ready to like play into it he was like well maybe it's this or maybe he just like misses his son she's like no 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 no. let's cut all of that out yeah like i like i don't need another guy on his side i don't need it if you're if that's what i'm going to get from you i'll give myself the pep talk that i need and then push you to the curb if that's how you're going to (laughs) be and i'm just saying you guys know i stand amy and i love when they give her character room to grow and and express herself because almost every single time they do i'm like yes this amy amy is a character is what we need more of it's the type of mother that is a real fully fledged person she's not whenever she's allowed to be she's not Susie homemaker she's not just there to support her husband she's not just there to um you know think about the life she should have lived she's like no she is the responsible parent she is very much like no realism i need you to live in the real world because that's where we live and i think it's more important for you to live in the real world than it is for me to coddle you because as much as i love you when i'm not here how are you going to survive i i really love that the whole episode is about the parents learning not to coddle eric or or you know kind of hold his hand through life and Corey picks up exactly where they leave off he does all the apartment <laughs> hunting for him he's filling out forms for him Corey is doing all of the legwork that they're like oh yeah i guess eric's ready to grow up it's like no he's not he's still depending on someone else to take care of him and make choices for him um Absolutely. but i do want to talk about Corey's like motivation throughout this episode to get his own room because there's a really awkward moment between eric topanga and Corey. Well, so I, I want like right before that moment because I wanted to talk about that right before that moment. Corey is like having the time of his life, being like decorating his room. room. Uh, he ordered a queen size bed, and what I love, like I love this, uh, and he's actually part of like weirdly, I don't even know why he's actually part of our roll call. But uh, Glenn Hirsch, who plays Delivery Man, that's just his name, Delivery Man, is like, hey, remember no means no. And he just leaves. He's like, I know what this bed is for. You got your own room for the first time. I see them candles. I'm just letting you know, no means no. And I was like, yo, who knew like a respectability, a consent talk from the delivery guy. I'm here for it. I love it. (laughs) You know, it's really funny. It just seemed when I first saw this episode, I laughed because it seemed kind of out of place. But then I was just like you, I'm like, it's smart advice. And the audience kind of nervously chuckles. And I'm like, well, is this a joke? Or is this just like advice? No, I think so the way I interpreted it, and again, maybe it's like just the way that uh, I would have been in that situation. But I saw 
like even when he said oh you have your own room for the first time i saw this character delivery man i saw him as someone who's like yo i go to a lot of houses i've seen this situation before i'm gonna tell this kid right up front everyone knows what you're doing everyone understands just just know i've seen a lot of teenage boys not understand this one concept you still need consent that's it. I'm not your parent. I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> and in all fairness to the delivery guy, Corey really is setting up a fuck den of sorts yes. with the <laughs> candles and the disco ball and the queen size bed. Like he's got plans for that room. So speaking of plans, I, when I was uh, looking up this episode, I saw something that was hilarious to me, um, which was that the candle that Corey has in his room for Topanga is the same candle that the girl had last episode in the other college. Remember? Um, yes. The so one who tried to seduce me, Corey. Yes. So that tells me Corey was like, yo, mental note. <laughs> Girls yeah. get down with Girls candle. love candles. It's going to make me him seem so mature and romantic. <laughs> but you were saying? Oh, I was just, um, so there's this moment where Corey and Topanga are on the bed and Topanga's like, bro, why aren't you getting in this? Like, come on, let's do it. And Corey's like, no, the moment we kiss, Eric's going to walk in. And she's like, forget about that. They kiss. Of course, Eric walks right in. He sits down next to Topanga and he starts like doing bicep curls next to her and there's this moment where Topanga is just like looking at Eric doing the bicep curls where it was one it was very uncomfortable and two it's like this is this is the second time we're hearing about Topanga maybe having a little bit of a crush on Eric in season one if you recall Eric went to go visit Corey's class and Topanga had a massive crush on 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 Sean I mean I was on Eric and um Eventually, she got over it within the episode, but the way she was looking at him doing the Big Daddy Rocks, it seems like she was maybe, I don't know, flirting with that idea in the back of her head. Yeah, no, so I don't know about that. I think it's just like Tamina's getting older and she's like, yo, you know, I'm not necessarily having sex, but I'm still interested in sex and Eric's working on his body. Corey has the body that he has. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. I'm just saying that she's exploring her options. She's trying to get laid and Corey wasn't into it. She was ready. And that's when Big Daddy Rocks came along. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Big Daddy Rocks. I thought that was hilarious. One thing I want to point out, Eric's hair is a little bit longer in this season, in this episode. Your correlation theory of his hair getting longer responding, like correlating with his IQ, dropping yes. <laughs> like yes. the longer his hair is the dumber he gets yeah. we're we're seeing some of that play into because he's Absolutely. a real buffoon for a lot of the earlier scenes of the episode i just noticed that Corey's hair is like this really weird um brown color not weird in like a bad way but like it's just different from what it does it have red like. highlights yeah it's something like that it was just i, I thought it was i thought it was cute but i was just like oh look at look at this maybe he's just growing into different um things i don't know it's i i have no idea how that hair works (laughs) so i want to talk like i already kind of mentioned delivery guys so let's just bring up our other um roll call person which is jack who's in the cast matthew lawrence and i i'm very interested to see how jack plays into this because even the jack we saw right now there are like hints of the jack that he will become but he's a different character at least of right now and I I wanted to say I love Jack, but I'm also like, I don't really know if I love Jack or if I just am remembering differently. Also, I love the Lawrence brothers. Like, I love them as an idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Lawrence brothers are, are 90s prime ribs. Like, that's, that's the bread and They're butter 90s of Jonas. 90s. Yeah, well, actually, I think we talked about this earlier. They're not 90s Jonas. They're 90s Hemsworth. Like, you got, there was like a Hemsworth. Oh, that's like, offensive right now. to the Hemsworths. <laughs> but no, 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 no. But they were at the time. If you, I mean, oh come on. Gosh. At the time, Joey Lawrence was i mean like the exact same thing the hair he was the chris he also had a great rap album that came out in the <laughs> early 90s i mean um, great is like a, a loose term <laughs> let's let me ask you this question siege uh sean eric jack who would you rather sean eric jack sean eric jack honestly are we talking jack now 
Yes, like, Jack Jackson. now, not Jack when he's not all Jack jacked was up. Jack's Jack. <laughs> yeah. At this point in time, I'm gonna have to go with Eric. And that's only for two reasons. One, Eric has like a more fuller body that like, I don't, I don't like boys with boys bodies. Like that's just not my thing, um, thankfully. And then also yeah. the character Eric is of age and I don't think Sean is. So Fair I'm enough. gonna go with Eric in this particular <laughs> episode. Um, but long-term, honestly, I'm just like, yo, where's Turner at? Like, <laughs> if, No if longer I, with us, rest in peace. <laughs> I even like maybe throw Alan into the mix. I just like, none of the boys really do it for me. And I will be like, I know I'm the outlier, but I've never really found any of the boys, like the children in uh, Boy Meets World attractive. Like, okay, yeah. Like, Eric can sometimes do it for me, but Turner was like someone who did it. Alan I, every now and then has I think the Jack we see in this season is quite different than the Jack we see in season six and seven, where he puts on some muscle and some yes. hair gel and starts getting real douchey. So exactly. um, I feel like your attraction will grow for him as soon as he becomes we'll a douchebag. We, we, can, we can monitor it. And you, I don't know how to take that, but I also can't really refute it. So. <laughs> um, okay, so Sean has another sibling that we've never met. I mean, this is what the third one. Third one. Also, well, let's see. We have his we have sister. the sister who straightened Corey's hair. We have the brother from the half brother who Corey uh, filmed stealing merchandise, or computers, exactly. or something. And so now, number three, we get Jack. And what's really weird about Jack is he's older, but has a different mom. But also, at some point in time, they lived together. He's so older like, by like a year, right? Because yeah, he's starting college. Either, either way, it's what's weird about that dynamic. Think about this. Sean's mother is Verna. But he also grew up with Jack at some point in time, who is Chet's biological son. And he's only a year apart, which means at some point in time, Chet had two women pregnant <laughs> yep. or had a newborn and then got Verna pregnant at some point in time, they all cohabited or had like they were, yeah, they, or Sean lived with, can it, like, I, again, it's just very, very complicated and weird. I'm trying can to I speak to out. this. Yeah, um, okay. So not to spoil too much, but we do learn later in the season season when the kids have their drinking episode, that part of the reason things didn't work out between Jack's mom and Chet was because Chet turned into an ugly alcoholic. So alcoholism played a huge part in their relationship breaking. And I have to imagine that Chet being who he is, is one of those guys that was like, he'd show up, he'd be in his life for a little bit maybe he'd leave for a while it was kind of a come and grow thing while they were young and maybe sean had the relationship with jack that most of us have with some cousins where we hardly ever see them but we do know that they're there um so i i, I just do think that um his introduction and the history with chet and all of that is really interesting i want to know where the fuck verna is i want to yeah. know what is her perspective to hey this kid who was probably a huge argument at the time. Um, I, I want to know where she's at and what she thinks of this. If she's gone, which towards it, the last thing that Jonathan Turner told us of Sean's parents right before he died in the cult episode <laughs> was that his parents were working things out. They were working out their marriage. That's the last we've heard of Verna. So for her just to not be here again, is one of those things where I'm like, Oh, maybe that should have been in the season finale of the last season where Verna leaves or something. So we just have an explanation for her absence. So um, I like a, there's that. Um, I feel just from the character of Verna, who we've seen, who, by the way, for the majority of the season, we are at least the show runtime we haven't seen her so we know that verna is in and out of sean's life we know that yeah. she feel she was gone and separated from her son for at least bare minimum a year um without seeing him at all so that tells me that she is one of those free spirits that just comes and goes she probably got tired of like being in one place for too long and was like i'm gonna step out for some milk and then just never came back like that's what i see and because it's verna and they're used to it they're like she'll come back when she comes back but 
or maybe she went to go visit her daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows? Like, like they all just yeah. have these really untraditional family units, which is good, which is but fine. also like it adds levels to complication where I'm like, oh, a little bit more information on this would be helpful. Um, but what I, I was going to say is, oh, I, I just want to say my theory is Chet absolutely 100% knew Jack was in town. And it's because of his behavior. He acts like he's never, he hasn't seen him in a while, but he asked Sean to move in with Jack so quickly. Like, it was like, I, oh, hey, yeah. your brother, who you've never seen, who I haven't spoken with, who apparently I have no updates on, just invited you to go live with him. I haven't seen the place. I don't know anything about his finances. I don't know anything other than he just said, hey, can you move in with me? I think it's the right move. And for me, either Chet is the most reckless person ever, which he could be, or Chet and Jack actually had this conversation. That's why, because Jack was like, I'll call you, meaning you have his information, you guys speak. So Jack, sorry, Jack told him he was going to Primbook. He told Chet. Chet was like, hey, do you think that you can have your brother live with you? I haven't been hitting uh, or getting jobs lately. I don't know how much longer I can hold on to the home. If he moves in with you, that solves everything. Don't tell him I told you. And that, I mean, like, it's just nothing else makes sense. Okay, so I had a completely different understanding of this. Okay, and okay. My, my theory for what's going on here has a lot to do with Chet's insecurities as a father more than anything else. I think that Chet has always felt like he would be a shitty dad, which is why he threw him on Turner, which is why he's thrown him on the Matthews, which is basically what he said to, to Sean when last season when they reunited which was this idea that like hey i've never been much of a father and sean's just like dude i just need you around i think that was the prison episode where turner um yeah. went to pick sean up when chet and him got arrested yeah, this whole idea like hey i dad i just need you around and i think that depending on chet's financial situation his security with fatherhood kind of comes and goes and i think in this instant he's like not only do i feel insecure but i know that this kid who is still family who would be a great influence on Sean because he's a college kid and I want my kid to go to college. I, I still, I feel like that's a genuine idea. He, he saw this opportunity as like a, this is going to be a better life for you that I can't provide you, which is the way Chet has always felt about Sean. Five seconds ago, he said that he thought Jack needed a place to stay. If you think that someone needs a place to stay and that person tells you, that means you think that person's homeless. And if that person says, actually, I have a place, I'm just looking for a roommate, you don't immediately suggest your, your teenage son. No, no, I kind, of, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He <laughs> wants him to live with someone. He wants him to have better influences than him because in his life, he's like he's hanging out in this trailer park with the uncles that we've been introduced to with Sean, his whole extended family, like there's not a lot of opportunity for Jack him there. Jack has been here for, Jack was in the house for five minutes. You know nothing about the living situation. You're, you're right. I, you I, know don't, I don't think nothing. Chet really thought a lot about <laughs> this. I think he went on his first instinct, which is why it came off like kind of um, rude to Sean in that way. In the way that later on when Alan does it, Sean's kind of able to understand it better because it's done in a better way. It's done with more thought. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I said either either one is options. I'm uh, sorry. Either one is valid, but it's one or the other. Either Chet is completely reckless with his son, which I mean, I just I Chet is smart. As as bad as the father as Chet is, Chet is smart. So I just don't see it. Everything I want you I want everyone to look at this episode again with my theory in mind and tell me it just doesn't come off as Chet and Jack set this up. The serendipitous of serendipitousness, I don't even know what that word is, of Jack being at Chubby's saying he's looking for a roommate right when uh Sean Okay, so in. you bring up a great point about this is that how close is this college? Because they keep saying, oh, I don't want to say goodbye to Eric. And I'm like, it seems as though everyone lives pretty local <laughs> to where they are. Like, I can't, exactly. I don't know what this goodbye thing is about. So like, yeah, if Jack is able to go to Chubby's to look for roommates, then clearly his apartment is within driving distance at the very least. Exactly. Like maybe 15 minutes down the road. And if that, uh, Chubby probably delivers uh, to wherever <laughs> yeah. it is. And so I've just, in, in my opinion, it just 
Hmm. I, I want everyone, I want everyone to look at the episode with my theory in mind and tell me that it just doesn't all fit so well. Having, maybe this, like, maybe Chet views this as an opportunity just to get the hell out of Dodge. Yes, like he won, maybe this is something that wasn't premeditated, but again, I'll, I'll watch it again to see if it was, but maybe it was just this opportunity like, hey, like Sean has a place to stay. It kind of relieves me of a financial burden. Uh, I'm going to take I'm this saying up. That, I'm saying all the same reasons that you did. I have the exact same reasons. I just think that Chet knew mm. Jack mm. was in town before. That's it. Either he's like he says, "I came here for you." That's what Jack says. And yeah, he does say he does say that, which also makes me wonder if he specifically chose this college to be closer to Sean. Like, I would like to know why he chose Pembroke, which is a college that seems to be within walking distance of his brother. You don't pick a location to be with someone you haven't seen in years if you don't already know that that person like like i'm just like it would mean that jack is equally psychotic that jack literally went to invite his estranged brother i have a half brother who lives on the other side of town if i went right now and i moved down the street for him and was like i want you to live with me i don't expect anyone to be like yes good job <laughs> they would be like what like, what do you know about your so brother? What do you know the other about thing about situation? the other thing about this is that Sean is still in high school, living without parental supervision. Like, no one thinks that like him living with college kids his senior year, where he needs to like do his best school wise, is going to be problematic. Well, his parents don't. So <laughs> his pa- well, his parents don't. <laughs> his parents aren't looking out for him clearly uh absolutely hey uh, so okay so we have we've been introduced to, uh to jack now we see jack and eric interacting together for the first time and this the the seed of this bromance which i would argue at the end is almost as strong as Corey and sean's like of the yeah. end of the run of the show. So like, yeah. it was interesting to see them interact for the first time and them like be like, oh, hey, we have standard white guy things in common, like our favorite movie, which is yeah. The Godfather, which is every white guy's favorite movie and exactly. our favorite color, which is blue, which is every white guy's favorite color. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed like really interesting that the stuff that they bonded on was real, just general ass shit. Um, but one of the things I do love is that Jack like looks at a picture of Eric and goes, I don't know if I want to live with him because he might be too attractive, which I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yes. yes. Well, what he said was, hmm, he's a pretty attractive guy. And then he kind of backed it up. He's like, maybe competition for the ladies. It's like, it's okay to be into him, Jack. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, yeah. but yeah, Corey introduces them and they have their little moment. One of the things that I wrote down was that he makes this joke of like, you guys are so perfect, you should be married. And this is another example of Boy Meets World, like not taking a homophobic stance where they could have very easily done something homophobic, where they were just like, instead of saying like, oh, he's a guy, I'm not going to marry him. Eric's response was just simply, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to commit, <laughs> which I just thought was just a really interesting thing that we've seen Boy Meets World kind of do in the past where they've, they've touched on homosexuality, but never made it a taboo. They always kind of go for a joke that's more um, kind, which I really appreciate. The thing that I will give Boy Meets World credit for that I kind of like all always go back to is they were some of the earliest examples of bromance that we yeah. got. Um, and I think they may even be like the earliest versions of bromance that we see on television. And I'm not talking about like the odd couple situation, which Jack and um, Eric get into or the um, best friend on the other side of the track. I'm talking like legit bromance. I'm talking you two would be a couple, should be a couple if you weren't heterosexual and again there's nothing wrong and what's even better is it's like we're not even saying there's anything wrong about homosexuality we're just yeah. saying that these two have a connection and this pair works and has an intimacy that's on the same level as a life partner it's and- so interesting that you bring that up because i really can't work call like really strong yet intimate relationships between men um heterosexual men on on television before this in a way that like Corey and sean kind of like uh, they have like these moments where like they're helping each other with family issues with like you know really hardcore stuff with sean's uh you know parents and and things like that and it just kind of grows the relationship and strengthens it in a way that I don't know that I've seen other men have to do before 
together because I've never seen two men overcome obstacles the way that they do on Boy Meets World together. So yeah, it's just a really interesting perspective. And I think maybe one of the things that I like about Jack, and I keep I keep wanting to say I like Jack, but I was like, do I? I don't know yet. But I think one of the things I want to like about Jack is he is a great addition to the team and he is a great kind of person for Eric to play off of because with um he's the straight Jason, man. well yeah with Jason Jason was the kind of like that bad friend that always pulls you into a bad idea. Jason was not a good friend. He was a great character, but not a good friend. Well, the dynamic um, was completely different because at the time it felt like Jason was the wild card and Eric was the straight man. And now we're at a point where there's no universe where Eric would be a straight man. <laughs> um, he is such a wild card. And so for uh, Jack, who kind of has a more of a seriousness about him. Um, yeah, it just, it makes sense that they're going to be a, a good combination. Exactly. Uh, and, and as you said, it allows Eric to kind of really lean into his comedic chops. And yeah, we get that little, that little straight bit of like, um, Jack just always kind of wondering what it is about Eric, but also not being able to step away. I think even in the um, sequel series in Girl Meets World, when they do bring Jack back and he interacts with uh, the adult version of Eric, there's some kind of line of like, what is it about you that I can't get away from? It's yeah. just like, it's like, it's like, I hate myself. I can't myself. quit you. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I hate myself, but I have to be in your presence. And like, it, I, I'm, I judge myself for even being as into you as I am. So, yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things I want to talk about is that there's this beautiful merging of the storylines where, um, you know, Sean's already been kicked out and Amy and Alan are kind of discussing what to do with Eric and Sean walks through the kitchen and he says something to the effect like, why can't I have a dad more like Alan? Like, Eric's never going to leave and he's fine with it. And it was just such an interesting way that they showed how Sean was able to learn from Alan, Alan was able to learn from Sean, but actually through that appreciate Chet more and Eric's able to understand his mom. Like everyone just kind of had a clarification moment and with that one line that Eric's never going to leave home and he's fine with it. And I just thought that was a great catalyst for the, the change that happens it in the third was, act. But I saw that scene a little bit differently. And Oh, and really? The, Please. Here's what I see. Like, it's a great learning moment. Everything that you said is, is valid, but what happened in that scene is Amy says, Alan, we can't have this boy live here anymore. He will never grow up if he yeah. doesn't. And Alan's like, mm. and then Sean says, well, I mean, like, Eric's never going to leave, and Alan's fine with that. And Alan's like, oh, now I get it. And Amy's like, I rest my case. And what I mean by that is it wasn't enough that Amy said it. Amy, your co-partner in parenting in life, your wife, she raises the flag and you're like, ah, it's just Amy. Women be a woman. But Sean, a teenage boy, says it. And you're like, oh, this may be a problem. And that's why I was like, this is why I get so upset with how they treat Amy because she's, she has so much insight and it's usually just like, thrown to the side for another man which is why i loved her response when feedy was like you're not gonna give me what i need to say i'm just gonna do it on my own <laughs> to give alan a little bit of credit what i'm gonna assume happened is that he assumed that eric wasn't going to take advantage of the situation but hearing sean a child's perspective of it he kind of realized that eric was never going to be mature enough to get to that step it's not the end of the world i just noticed that when amy said something it's and like most people especially like anyone who's like studied feminism and all this other stuff there's just this habit of like when a woman speaks everyone's like huh i didn't hear it but when a guy says the exact same thing it's like oh that's a really good they point. do that on always sunny all the time like specifically <laughs> like d will say yes, something and that. they'll and then immediately mac will repeat <laughs> the exact thing that d said and everyone will be like great idea <laughs> i see i love that if, if the show was self-aware it would be amazing but the fact that it's not it just makes that moment infuriating but wait but i have two on. more things i just want to talk about with this episode which one of the things i really liked is that alan made sure that sean was there to see his conversation with eric which i thought was um a really thoughtful and considerate move he's like hey stay here your family and at first you're like oh he just doesn't want him to leave because he doesn't want him to feel uncomfortable but it's 
I always thought that Alan wanted to make sure that Sean overheard that Eric was going to get the same the same treatment, which I, I really liked. Um, the only last thing I want to say is that when they're in the apartment at the end and um, Corey's like, oh, do we want to do a one year at least? Let's go ahead and do three. That's how many seasons are left in the show. Ah, uh, okay. That's so cute. I don't know if they got ordered for three more years or if they were just on the year to year basis, but they were able to correctly predict that they would be living in that apartment for three more years because that's how long the show goes on. Ultimately, I just think it was like good fun. It was a good episode to start with. Um, any episode with Chet is automatically like, I. there's just something about that actor. There's something about that character that just makes me smile. I know he's a horrible person, but every single time he's involved, I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this episode a little bit for sure for sure hey do you have a feeny lesson for this episode um i don't think there's like an, a, a real feeny lesson because any lesson that you would get would be inverted by like the other person so like if we like say eric for example if it's like you have to grow up sometime then you have to take responsibility whatever like say we made that that doesn't apply to Sean because Sean was kicked out. His dad literally white fanged him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, can, I, can I take a crack at the Feeney lesson yeah, for this episode? For um, I think the Feeney lesson is every new beginning is some other beginning's end. Oh, okay. First of all, great song. Second of <laughs> all, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I like that. You were listening to that 90s uh, coffee house music bro soundtrack. we're in 1997 <laughs> i'm listening to the spotify soundtracks buzz ballads or whatever it's called yeah oh my gosh yeah. um yeah do you have any uh uh grades idea for grades yeah i actually um to me i'm gonna give this an a i think it's just a solid episode a minus um it gets the a because a we have chat we introduce new characters that make sense that last um we use a lot of the runtime positively we get to see all of our characters um the reason why it gets the minus is for the dream sequence in the beginning and i feel like that was filler like i feel like everything else really flows nicely and makes sense um but the beginning is very filler with the dream sequence i do i do agree because we don't even have any scenes at school outside of that one. It's almost as if they could have saved that for the second episode exactly. and just focused on like non-school summertime shit in this one. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it the A minus as well. Um, I don't, th- I think it was a good pilot uh, start to the season, but I think I prefer the season four opener better with Eric and Corey road tripping home and Eric wondering if he should come home or not. I kind of like that as a season opener a little bit better than this one. I think that yeah. was a stronger episode. So well, yeah, A minus. It had a, a better theory. In my a better, yeah, better theme overall, I think. Um, okay, so we did grades. How about homework? What is your homework? Okay, so I have some homework I'm really excited about, specifically for this episode, because the whole okay. episode's theme is like, oh, Eric needs to grow up. He needs to, you know, move on, get up. Um, HBO Max has a movie called Wendy. Wendy is a Ooh. retelling of Peter Pan with Ooh. a... Peter Pan played by a African-American boy. Interesting. Bro, I fucking love this movie. This movie is such a fresh, modern take on the uh, the story of Peter Pan. It's done by um, this director, Ben Zietlin, who I love. He did this movie called uh, Beast of the Southern Wild yes. um, a few years ago, which is one of my favorites. Um, this movie, it does not have a high score on Rotten Tomatoes at all. And I'm begging you guys to fuck all that shit. It's from a bunch of like Gen Zers and boomers who just don't get what this movie's trying to say about childhood and losing your adolescence and like the the strife of it it feels very um a a movie of the moment for for like our generation uh peter pan for our generation so um and the fact that wendy is not this just complicit sitting by a fire telling stories while everyone else is having action wendy is actually the lead character and kind of takes charge where peter pan kind of follows her lead it's almost like everything that we would critique a peter pan movie for in our movie makeover podcast they heard that podcast and was like hey let's do it their way and then we got wendy so that's my recommendation um, my recommendation is going to be this book called When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. Mm. Um, it is a book about um, also moving gentrification. It's, it's, um, it's, how do they describe it? It's like 
Rear Window meets Get Out is how like, it's uh, pitched. And in all honesty, it is pretty much like those are good combinations once you know the full story. Um, it's told by two different uh, perspectives. Uh, one is a Black woman who lives in, um, I believe it's Brooklyn. Um, and then her white neighbor who moves in across the street. And you just kind of see these two storylines on the same block and different interpretations. And um, I just think that there's a lot of that. It's a really fun book. If you love a thriller, if you love a mystery, it's really good. I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed listening to it. I said, this bitch, like I don't (laughs) know how many times. Um, Just uh, there are a few characters, white, who made me be like, oh, they are trying me but um also i think it's a really good commentary on um where you were talking about our generation it's a really good commentary on like just housing situations in general Hmm. um like who gets to stay who has to leave what happens when they stay and leave um so it felt pretty relevant to me and as i said it's a really good time by a black author and who you know uh read black authors so yeah absolutely Speaking of black creatives, uh, don't we have something else we need to promote? Yes, I would like to also promote our uh, second season of our Movie Makeover podcast. We have a, a bunch of new episodes that are going to be coming out um, for uh, with our new co-host, Christine, who we're really excited for you guys to meet. And uh, I think she did an episode of Brummie Twirl before. Yes. Um, so she's going to be joining us full time on that podcast. And we're talking about some great um, classic movies. She's all that. Bring it on. 500 Days of Summer. Devil Wears Prada. We're getting into the, the nitty gritty of these and and looking at them from a representation point of view um which as you can tell from the movie titles not a lot of representation in some of them (laughs) (laughs) but uh we're we're kind of looking at it with a microscope and taking a look to see what we could have done better with those movies in terms of representation I'm really excited. I think this is, um, I'm really excited for this series. I have a bunch of like ideas that I want to talk to you about later, but for our <laughs> listeners, make sure that you check out our second season as it's coming out. I'll continue to listen to um, our fifth season of From Meets World. Um, Dude, we've been doing this a long time. We've been, yes. we've been in the podcast business long time. <laughs> Longer than expected. But yeah. also, um, I don't think we could have predicted a lot of things that's happened. So Yeah, <laughs> definitely. This year really kind of lent itself to podcast podcast creation actually so yeah um so ultimately um i think that is everything okay cool um, you guys thanks for listening to brownings world remember you can find us on spotify itunes stitcher all of the places um leave us a rating um we have had a lot of crossover with other boy meets world podcasts um i'm really excited to have some more of them on this season i think we're gonna have a really great season and um, we have just, episodes that, that i'm sure people are gonna want to talk about too oh we have like there's there's just things that we have the lauren (laughs) episode we have the scream episode i'm talking big time shit this season exactly so um you can find me on twitter at i am not your oreo um tc i'm me on instagram at a braver me and um like i said please uh take a look at our movie makeover podcast which is streaming everywhere and yeah, uh, while you're looking at our movie makeover podcast, also just follow and uh, tweet us at at Brummies World or follow us on Instagram. Either way, you guys have all the ways to connect with us. And ultimately, what we want you to do is remember to dream, try, and do some good. The world needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Later, bros. Later, bro. When this boy meets world.